Let's continue reading verses 12 through 31 of Judges chapter 3. Now in the second half of Judges 3, we have the account of Ehud's judgeship, as well as the record of Shamgar. Judges chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gerah, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger, it was double-edged and a cubit in length, and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he is probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed, and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sirah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. Then he said to them, Follow me. For the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Once again, let's begin this section of Judges now with some background notes. Question. How many judges were there in Israel during the time of the judges? Answer. Anywhere between 12 and 15, depending on who you count. If you count both Barak along with Deborah, and if you count Abimelech, who was an evil ruler, and if you count Samuel, who was really more of a prophet, then a judge, then you come out with 15. Now another point we must keep in mind when we study the time of the judges is that there were some judges that overlapped in time. For example, Samson's time as a judge seems to have overlapped with the judges Elon and Abdon, but they judged in different parts of the land. Here in the second half of Judges chapter 3, we have two judges, Ehud and Shamgar. 
Shamgar came after Ehud, as we can see from verse 31, but apparently Shamgar ruled before Ehud died, as you can see from chapter 4, verse 1. So there was some overlap here with Ehud and Shamgar. And maybe Shamgar did not judge all of Israel. In any case, here in the second half of Judges chapter 3, we have the second sin cycle of the period of the Judges. The Moabites were the enemy that God allowed to come in, and they oppressed Israel, as we see, for 18 years. Eglon was the king of Moab, and he set up his throne in Jericho, the city of palm trees, as we see there in verse 13. Now, the way Moab suppressed Israel was to make them pay tribute in gold or silver to Moab. We see that Ehud was designated by Israel to head up the delegation that was appointed to bring the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Ehud saw this occasion as an opportunity to overthrow this ungodly foreign power that had set up their headquarters in Jericho. After Ehud killed Eglon, Ehud escaped to the mountains of Ephraim and rallied the troops of Israel, and they defeated the Moabites. Let's move to the doctrinal teaching points. Doctrinal point number one. The flesh not held in check is not a pleasant picture. The flesh not held in check is not a pleasant picture. Now you're probably saying at this point, where in the world do you get that doctrinal point out of this passage? We see it in the spiritual picture that we have drawn for us here. In the books of Joshua and Judges, the land of Canaan, which was the land of promise for Israel, represents the land of blessing that God has for the believer. As God had given the land of Canaan to his people Israel, so God has given us a land of spiritual blessing. But Israel had to drive out the enemy in order to enjoy the blessings of the land. And so we have to drive out the enemy to enjoy our spiritual blessings in Christ, in the land that God has given us, the spiritual land. Everybody follow? As Israel was guaranteed victory, if they would fully follow and obey the Lord, so we are guaranteed victory in spiritual warfare if we fully follow and obey the Lord. Now, who is our enemy? Satan is our enemy, and he uses the world and the flesh and even demonic forces to keep us defeated and keep us from enjoying the blessings of the spiritual land that God has given us. That is, our blessings in Christ. Now, in the spiritual picture that we have here in Judges chapter 3, Eglon is a picture of the flesh not held in check. Follow it now. Eglon is the king of Moab. Who were the Moabites? Remember, Moab was born as a result of the incestuous relationship between Lot and his two daughters. The flesh not held in check. Even the very physical appearance of Eglon adds to this spiritual picture. Verse 17 says, Now Eglon was a very fat man. The flesh not held in check. So here you have big fat King Eglon of Moab, sitting on a throne in Jericho. Jericho, of all places. Part of the land that Israel had already conquered, but now back again under enemy control. Do you see the lesson? 
What a picture we have here of the flesh not held in check. Not a pleasant picture. How true this is in the Christian life. When we don't hold the flesh or the sinful nature in check, we begin to lose ground that had already been conquered for Christ. It's not a pretty picture as the flesh begins to control us. The flesh not held in check is not a pleasant picture. Doctrinal point number two. Cutting off the flesh is not a pleasant picture. Cutting off the flesh is not a pleasant picture. Verses 21 and 22 once again. Then Ehud reached with his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Now that's not a pleasant picture, is it? I mean, you don't give these verses out in Sunday school as memory verses, do you? (laughs) Why did God include these ugly details in the Bible? It's because of the spiritual picture. We've seen that big, fat Eglon is a spiritual picture of the flesh not held in check. Now, getting rid of Eglon is a spiritual picture of cutting off the flesh. Cutting off the flesh is not the most pleasant of experiences. In fact, dealing with the flesh can be quite ugly. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8 says that we are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. This is cutting off the flesh or putting the knife to the flesh. How do you cut off the flesh? We apply the word of God, the two-edged sword of the scriptures to our lives. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, which is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So keeping the flesh in check and cutting off the flesh is a matter of applying the word of God to every area of our lives. And I don't think it's over-spiritualization to see the two-edged dagger of Ehud, verse 16, as representing the word of God in the spiritual picture. In any case, when we apply the word of God to the flesh, we see how ugly and gross the flesh or the sinful nature really is. So now you at least have a good reason why God included these gross details of Eglon's death in Holy Scripture. Cutting off the flesh is not a pleasant picture. Practical application number one. God can use you regardless of your differences. God can use you regardless of your differences. Now, how many of you here are left-handed like me? Got any left-handers here? Dan? Me? We're the only two left-handers? I can't believe it. See, we're we're different. (laughs) Now, Dan, or any left-hander, Did you ever feel abnormal or different? After all, it's a right-handed world. Everything is made for right-handers. We left-handers even have to use scissors upside down. You people didn't realize that, right? Well, don't feel bad, you fellow left-handers. Ehud was left-handed, and God used this difference as an advantage. In verse 16, we see that Ehud fastened the two-edged dagger on his right thigh so that when he reached for it with his left hand, Eglon was caught off guard. 
If Ehud had reached into his clothes with his right hand, Eglon would have been more on guard. So God used Ehud's difference to advantage. And God can use your differences as well. So if you ever feel that you're not like everybody else in your looks or your personality or some other area, remember this application from Ehud. God can use you regardless of your differences. And practical application number two, God can use you regardless of your background. God can use you regardless of your background. In verse 31, we have the record of Shamgar. After him, that is after Ehud, was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. An ox goad, by the way, was a pole with a spike on the end used for prodding oxen. The names Shamgar, as well as the name Anath, are not Hebrew. Shamgar is a Canaanite name, and Anath was the name of a Canaanite god. This seems to indicate that Shamgar did not have a godly background, in contrast with Othniel, for example. But God used Shamgar regardless of his background, and God can use you regardless of your background. If you had a godly heritage like Othniel, thank the Lord for your background. But if you did not have a godly heritage, did not come out of a Christian home, don't think that God can't use you. Great lesson for us from just looking at the names here of Shamgar, son of Anna. God can use you regardless of your background. 